Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Val McCarty is in the business of helping organizations visualize, communicate, and execute strategy in real time. Her studies were acquired at both University of Alberta and Grant McEwen University and encompassed management, education, and human services with an aim to continue learning. Her previous experience includes the financial sector, fitness sector, and early childhood education. When Val is not at work, you can find her outside with her grandkids or looking forward to the next live jam. I will pass the mic to Val for her information-packed discussion with Chris McPhee. Take it away, Val. I'm Val McCarty, and today with me, I have Chris McPhee. The Rainforest Podcast is a wonderful way to support the rainforest ecosystem that we're building here in Alberta. So I would encourage anybody who wants to be a part of the podcast to go onto the Rainforest website and check it out. So today I have Chris McPhee with me, and I'm just going to introduce him using his profile on LinkedIn. Chris implements the entrepreneurial operating system to help entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses. So entrepreneur operating system is actually EOS. It's a management operating system that harnesses human energy, delivering better results for businesses and more fulfilling lives for the people who run them. So very uh, holistic type of it, it it involves a lot of things which we're going to talk about today so welcome chris great uh, very nice to be here val i appreciate appreciate the invitation wonderful wonderful so just to start the conversation tell our listeners a little bit about your beginnings the sort of the, the what why and how of chris mcphee sure no no i appreciate that so i guess going way back i grew up in a, in a rural community in, in saskatchewan a very entrepreneurial family. So we owned or partly owned the uh, the local newspaper. So my very first job was grade seven, stuffing newspapers into, or flyers into newspapers. And then a little while later, I uh, had a furniture store. So um, got pretty good at delivering furniture on the weekends as part of that. And, and so I think, you know, kind of got that entrepreneurial spirit growing up, understood the value of hard work, of course, also grew up on a farm and as well as, you know, how important entrepreneurial businesses are. I just definitely saw that firsthand for small businesses, small communities, as well as, of course, in, in Calgary now as well. But anyway, I went to university, really enjoyed maths and sciences. So my background is electrical engineering, computer science, and uh, then got hired right out of school to come to Calgary with Imperial Oil. Enjoyed working with Imperial Oil, a great, uh, great company, large enterprise, but my job was often working with small entrepreneurial companies, but more from the buyer side. And I remember one time thinking in my office, like, I want to be on the other side of the phone. Like, I, I want to be part of that, you know, company that's developing this software that, that companies can use. So, so anyway, fast forward a number of years, I had a number of different experiences. I worked for a consulting company doing a lot of the, the dot-com type of software development back in the 2000, early 2000s. Went and worked for a military contractor called Generative Dynamics and, you know, learned a lot about embedded systems and large-scale communication, software development, engineering. But always had that entrepreneurial bug. Like, I don't know if, if I can describe it properly, but you just, 
you want to be part of the action, I guess. And so after I got got my MBA, felt like, oh, that that's probably going to set me up well. And uh, as a lot of people who've done an MBA and gone into entrepreneurship realize that it's uh, gets you part way there, but there's a lot of things you, you learn on the job. So so I left and started a consulting company where I, I did IT project management consulting. And uh, I enjoyed that. Actually, that was my plan was to build a company around that and and focus in that area. But I met a visionary entrepreneur who had a new software product and it just seemed really exciting to me. A few customers, so it wasn't brand new startup, but definitely in that early stages. And and so worked, worked there. We saw some really good growth, but as typical with you know, early stage software companies, some some growing pains as well. Certainly as we got a number of customers involved in the software, started to see some challenges as far as our talent. You know, we're tough to find and, and keep really good people. There's the the skills, the hard skills that are part of it, but also the soft skills and, and how people um, you know, fit into a culture. We found as we got bigger, our consulting services grew as well and started to see some challenges with, with delivering essentially and, and keeping high standards for quality. But probably most importantly, our leadership team, as we got to a certain side, we um, were really challenged with kind of being on the same page. You know, you, you get a lot of options for growth as you start to see some success and you have different opinions about how you should you know, go forward and a lot of challenges and in, in trying to stay on the same page. So anyway, I, I found there a copy of this book, Traction, and it really spoke to me. Like it, it really was, like I described in the introduction, a holistic system, really helping to get on the same page as far as the vision, helping to instill some of that accountability and, and discipline within in the, the company as well, you know, being healthy and dealing with issues openly and honestly. And so we got the company to the next level. I went through a successful acquisition and I moved over to the acquiring company to help with some of the integration activities. And uh, as I've recently acted that uh, company looking at, you know, where, where basically I could have a, a big impact. So one of the things that really drew me into um, EOS and, and working with other companies in, in that area is that ability to make an impact and, and help entrepreneurial growth-oriented companies really, really get more of what they want from their businesses. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm hearing everything from uh, early on farming, which is really, when you think of it, the ultimate entrepreneur, isn't it? Right? You you have to be the, the master, not just the, the yeah, you have to master all types of different, the business side of it, the farming side of it, the machinery side of it. Do you know what I mean? You have to know, know a lot of different things of farming. I'm speaking from personal experience as well. And yeah, and, and then also being a consultant, I would imagine you would be able to really find out exactly what that business needs or exactly the problems because each business is organically different than any other business. Do you know what I mean? Like even though they're in the same industry, it's the people that are in that business that are that business. I, I think you're exactly right in that because I think, you know, certainly the the types of consulting that, that I did at the time in the early 2000s were custom software development. But what that means for a variety of different companies and the value that that serves, you know, software projects generally get a bit of a bad rap because I find often, you know, engineers and, and developers jump to conclusions about what problems they're trying to solve and, and you know, we're... I guess, speaking on behalf of technologists and, and developers generally, you know, we like to solve problems, right? You like to, to see it. And sometimes it feels like that conversation and, and that really deep dive into the, the real needs. 
can kind of seem like a waste of time if you feel like, well, I already know what, what the answer is. But really, that's where they go off the rails, right, is making those assumptions and not appreciating, like you said, the, the nuances and the different needs of a variety of different companies and industries and, and, and really what their goals are, which often they're aligned, but, but often they're, they're different than, than everyone else as well. So, yeah, that, I think that's a great point. The details of all the little fine fixes. <laughs> yeah, quite interesting. So you kind of always knew you were, you were an entrepreneur right from the beginning. You know, I, I, funny you mentioned that because I always felt that I was. And then I met uh, a couple of individuals over time where I thought, well, I guess I'm not an entrepreneur because I see what they are. And they're just like huge, big ideas, very ambitious, you know, bet the farm literally <laughs> on, on these different endeavors. And I thought, well, I'm not... I'm not that kind of entrepreneur. Like I want to be part of it, but I don't have that same same kind of passion, same same ability to take on risk. And I think what I learned over time is that, and this is something that that actually came through part of my learning about EOS as well, is some of the best entrepreneurial teams actually have that yin and the yang. They've got that real visionary that person who's got the big ideas, lots of energy, but they don't necessarily have the the focus discipline to see their ideas come to fruition. And then the other half where I definitely put myself in that category is, you know, we're really energized by, by the businesses, by the structure and the process and, you know, making things happen, but often don't have that, you know, singular drive and ability and, and even vision, right. To, to foresee what's happening next. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is a great example, but one example that I think of is the Steve Jobs, Tim Cook you know, combination where you had that real visionary, that person who could to see into the future. And then you had the, the Tim Cook who like, okay, I, I know how to make this happen. And, and those partnerships can really be effective. And I, I learned over time that as much as I felt I was, was entrepreneurial, I very much was more in that, that second camp of, you know, love the process, love the focus, love the ability to make things happen, but perhaps not the the visionary who really sees the the future the same way as, as others do. You betcha. Yep. No, all great visionaries need that logistical support, but but intelligent logistical support. Do you know what I mean? They yeah, like the yin and the yang. You can't do one can't do without the other. That's terrific. That's absolutely terrific. So could you tell us what you're up to a little bit these days? Sure. So so now I'm really focused uh, entirely on helping entrepreneurial growth oriented um, companies and leadership teams really implement the system, the EOS system, which sometimes is a bit confusing because it's not technology, not computer, although that's been my background. It really is focusing and harnessing people energy, I guess, and in terms of helping helping get better in, in those three areas. So the vision is really the standpoint of um, getting the leadership team on the same page as far as where the company is going, how it's going to get there. And, and like I said, a lot of times it, you take that for granted that you think, well, everybody just knows my vision. And you think, well, how do you know they, they know your vision? Well, they haven't come asking for it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know what you know, what your vision is. So getting on the same page as far as that. And then once you've got that, though, we like to say vision without traction is hallucination. So the other part is really, you know, driving and instilling some of that accountability and discipline. Some people that's, you know, really natural thing. Others in, in leadership teams, it, it can be easy to get distracted. Uh, and so the, the accountability and, and discipline side of things is really helping to make sure we're seeing, you know, progress towards that, that vision. And then the third part is the healthy part, which is often 
I think sometimes forgotten, especially in the the early stages. So post-product market fit, you're feeling like, okay, now we just need to make things happen. But a lot of times I think that's where a leadership team can start to fall apart a little bit. You forget a bit around, you know, we actually have issues that maybe we haven't talked about. We've got elephants in the room that we need to to you know, just take a bit of time and, and work through them. A lot of times there's issues that come up and you're busy and and you just don't want to deal with it. So you just kind of you know put it in the corner and hopefully it doesn't doesn't blow up in you. And so that healthy part is is about helping to, you know, for me personally to help facilitate, but for leadership teams to help teach and and uh, and make sure that they're prioritizing and dealing with the most important issues. You can't deal with all the issues. There's uh, like we lovingly say 136 issues all at the same time. You can't deal with all of them, but you can deal with the most important issue and, and work that through so that so that really is something that isn't just, you know, kick down the road a little ways, but you actually take the time and, and make the effort to have that issue go away so it doesn't continue to come up and, and you know, impede your progress and cause stress. And it's amazing how small issues or seemingly small issues of more soft skills can really impact the energy, the empowerment, the the drive for an employee to really give their all for a company. And to be able to open that up, that Pandora's box, <laughs> and say, okay, let's deal with this subject that nobody wants to talk about and get it ironed out so that you can just go forward and be productive. I would imagine having everyone empowered to really harness their own energy. If everyone in, I've worked on teams like that where everyone's just ready to go and we're all connected and there is a power and a magic that comes from that. And again, it's that soft, you you almost can't quantify it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that soft, but it's definitely required. Definitely required. I think you're exactly right. So I just to, to kind of close out on that thought, I think what you say about you can't always really see it and understand it, but you can feel it, right? You can feel it when people are aligned and, and feel empowered. And I, I just think of a story back with a software company where we had an issue with performance. So I had a performance problem. And it's easy in those kind of things and say, well, that's an engineering problem, right? You get them to deal with it. And and that causes some some challenges with the team, right? Because it's an us versus them. And it's like, oh, those engineers are just never fast enough. And those salespeople are overselling what we can do. So we got into a room and actually said, you know, here's the problem. But what is the root of the problem? Like, is it really performance? And I found initially it was very standoffish, right? But once people realize that it's not engineering's problem, it's our problem. Like our customers don't see it as an engineering problem, they see it as our company's problem. And when you actually collectively work together and saying, you know, how are we collectively going to solve this? It actually ended up that we didn't need to solve it from an engineering perspective because we could go back to the customer, understand what they were doing, realize that it actually was a different problem they were trying to solve. And by actually pulling back and, and taking into account a variety of different inputs from customer service, from engineering, from sales and marketing, and, and holistically treating the issue as opposed to just, you know, shoving it to, to one department. Um, I, I still clearly remember that because it was, it, was a, it was an important problem at the time. But that one discussion around solving that issue, we continued to use that same process. And I was always fascinated. I would come into the room with an assumption of, what the solution was going to be. Like I said before, engineers, you know, you're solving problems. It was never 
the solution I thought it was going to be. And it was always a better solution. And it was because people felt empowered to, you know, voice their thoughts, be okay with their idea, not being the one that was selected, but then building on, on one another. And, and like you said, you just feel it, right? You feel that when people are part of the team, they want to be part of the discussion and, and it's a healthy discussion, not a, not an us versus them. And a part of the health of the whole organization. Very, very interesting. So uh, for those of us who don't know much about uh, EOS, could you describe what it is at, at a high level? Sure, sure. So yeah, just really briefly, I guess, one of the, the real findings behind EOS was is, is very much a practical system. It was learned through experience and, and observation and doesn't reinvent the wheel. Like we say, there's no silver bullet or, or magic pill. It's, it's really a set of timeless tools that have worked for a lot of other businesses. And, and uh, we have what we call six key components. And the idea is that I mentioned those 136 issues that entrepreneurial leadership teams are dealing with, but the finding was that they're really symptoms of, of a, a true root cause. And when you dig into the root causes and you can strengthen these six key components, those problems, they, they fall into place because they're, like I said, they're really the symptoms. And so just really briefly, those six key components we call it are, first is vision, getting everybody on the same page as far as where the company is going, how it's going to get there. People is really about having the, the right people in the right seats so that you've got the right people for your culture, but they're also really good at their jobs. And then the, the third key component is about data. And so especially, well, any kind of company, but especially entrepreneurial companies, they tend to make a lot of decisions using, you know, subjective feelings and emotions. And so data is really, you know, putting some objective facts, figures, and information to support some of the decision-making. So then once you've got a, a strong vision um, and uh, strong people and a strong data component, then your company becomes really transparent. You start to see all these issues and problems and obstacles so the fourth key component is about issues. And that's like we were talking about really about getting healthy, about uh, prioritizing, identifying issues and solving them. So they go away, not just for a little while, but forever. Then we get to the process component. And this is where, you know, we really start to see some of that consistency and scalability with a strong process component. The business is easier to manage and ultimately more profitable. And lastly, is that sixth key component of traction. And uh, traction is really about getting really good about executing day in and day out, better accountability and discipline, because ultimately that's how you achieve that vision is through that day in, day out activity. So those six key components, uh, really what we do with, with EOS is to strengthen those so that they work collectively. And it's that whole kind of combination of making sure you've got strong vision, you know where you're going, you got good traction, you're making progress to, uh, towards it. And then finally, you're doing that in a, in a healthy and cohesive manner. Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, sort of in summary, if, if, I've, if I've learned it correctly, <laughs> EOS, which stands for, for our listeners here, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Fantastic website, by the way. If, if you're listening, if you want to go to it, definitely check it out. So the six components for those who are making notes. So, you know, you have to clarify your vision and have everybody aligned with that vision. People, I love that idea of having the right seats, the right people in, in the right places. The data, you want to bring that objectivity to something that might not be as objective as what some people would like. Because <laughs> that's hard, like you're dealing with those people skills again, right? Issues, you want to prioritize prioritize issues. It's for the overall health of the company. Prioritize and work through them. You develop a process for doing this, which again, I would imagine is almost an organic type process if, because 
you have different people in different companies that all would want that process to match the company, I would be thinking. And then, of course, the traction, the execution. That's right. Yeah. No, you've got it. And and so those are the six key components. And I'll, I'll maybe clarify a little bit on the process component. And that's really around helping to identify the the key business processes that that you derive value from your company. So an example, uh, you might have an HR process, how you hire and manage people, a marketing process, how you generate leads, sales process, how you turn those leads into, into customer orders. But like you said, it's there's got a standard set of processes that tend to be fairly uh, similar across companies, but then how you do your work is really what makes you stand out as a, as a company. So that strengthening the process component is really about you know, standardizing and making sure you're doing the most important things for the business the right way, the best way every time. But again, it's for your business to make sure that your business is is unique and providing the unique value that that you do. So that's where I think generally that whole EOS system is is meant to help companies is to say, don't reinvent the wheel on how to kind of collectively strengthen these six key components because your time is better spent innovating on your product or your offering or your service or your customer experience. And so these foundational aspects can basically help you systematize that part of your business. So you can focus on really what makes you unique and and valuable to your uh, customer clientele. A way of, of harnessing everything that you're trying to harness so that it can execute. Yeah, one of the um, strategies to execution is the hashtag that I often use <laughs> in my own work. And yeah, you really need that process in order to just that daily execution every single day, little bits, little bits. Next thing you know, you've you've uh, you've made it to where you wanted to go for that vision is complete, right? So that's great. But one of the questions we were going to ask was sort of how does it work? Did you want to give more detail or is that as much detail as, as you want to get into in this podcast? I think that's probably a pretty good level of detail. So if anybody is interested, there's a, a book called Traction and what Traction does is it it documents or provides all the information around this. So it's a really good starting point. It provides you know, the, the tools and, and how to implement them in your business. What I do uh, with companies is basically three things. I, I teach those tools that are in the book. And so it's, a, it's basically a, a reference of how that works. I also bring some of that real world experience. So you can get so much out of the book, but sometimes we like to say it's kind of like reading a book on dentistry and extracting your own teeth. It works. It just is kind of painful and can be messy, but it, it works. And then the facilitation part, I think, is, is really what's key. And and, it, and some companies can do this on their own effectively. It's a challenging thing, though, to sometimes facilitate when you're in the business. And and I did that, and I I, I found it just as challenging as, as anyone in that. But it, you know, even with doing that, I still certainly found it effective. And then the third part is is coaching. I like to say it's kind of asking the tough, tough questions, reflecting what what we observe an EOS implementer is what we call ourselves. We don't, we don't consult. We don't bring the answers. We help to uncover the answers that are already in the room like to say that the leaders know their business better than anyone, but sometimes need that effective harnessing of you know the conversation and the discussion to really surface those healthily discuss them and determine, you know, the way forward. And ultimately it's all about resolving issues, determining way forward. And so that facilitation to conclusion and then coaching is is just reflecting back what we see and and really always asking the question, are you being the best that you can be? Are you being the best for the business? And it seems rhetorical, but sometimes you kind of need to hear that from an outside perspective to say, yeah, we maybe lost a little bit of perspective here. We're not 
we're not really being the best of either who we can be or what's best for the business. Sometimes personalities can take over and, and it's easy. It's human nature, but that's, um, that's kind of the way that that overall process is uh, it is work. I, I like that that whole personal uh, that perspective. Sometimes when you change your perspective, because I I know what what I have learned took me a long time to learn this, but oftentimes if there's a problem or an issue, the answer is there. You just can't see it yet, and we oftentimes have either the direction or eighty percent of the tools we we have already to get ourselves out of that problem, but it's to bring us to that new perspective to see it. Liked your, your bringing in that traction book. <laughs> For the listeners here, uh, Chris has given me a complimentary um, edition of Traction. It's by Gino Wickman, and I would really encourage anyone who's listening to definitely grab the book. And also that analogy of, yes, it is a great book and it does have a lot of good resources, but it is like you can't necessarily read a book on dentistry and extract your own teeth. One of the things I have done in the past is uh, ride horses. I, I love riding horses. I love the horse, the horse world. Yes, you can read a book on how to ride a horse, but there's a whole bunch of concrete things that you need to know. Often there's something that, that they'll talk about called feel. You have to to have that also to ride a horse properly. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of the analogy that came to my mind because that's my background, right? So very, very, very interesting. So now that we know a little bit about how it works, we know a little bit about traction, we know a little bit about EOS, let's talk a little bit about how this helps the rainforest ecosystem, the, the, the wonderful rainforest community that we have. It's full of startups, startups that are, starting fine, but starting that that real resistance period where things are going, ah, we need a new perspective here, or businesses that have been around a while, but they need that new perspective or that new source of energy um, from their employees to get them to the next stage. So let's talk about that for a little while. Yeah. So one of the the core values of, of the EOS implementer community is really helping first. And another one is doing the right thing. And so I'm relatively recent to the rainforest community. A friend of mine, Dallas Rathbone, has been part of the community. He said, oh, you should get involved with it. And started looking and, and thought the, the values are really nicely aligned with what we believe in. So uh, a lot of what I've enjoyed being part of the rainforest community and having lots of conversation with entrepreneurs is really seeing where, where it can help. And I don't mean necessarily... EOS, I, I believe in it and I, I've seen it work well, but I think a lot of times help comes in, in different forms. So it can be introductions, it can be maybe a guidance in a certain way, a lot of questions around, you know, what options are there for funding or, you know, how do I price my product? All these kind of things where I think the, the Rainforest community is, is very much a help first type of, of community. And then on the flip side from, from EOS and, and traction, our sweet spot where the companies that we typically work with are ones that like to say there's a repeatable sale or in tech terms, you know, post-product market fit. And it's not to say that there's no value prior to that because there's a lot of value, I think, in, in helping to be cohesive in terms of what your vision is as an entrepreneurial team, be cohesive in terms of what kind of traction you want to make towards that, be healthy in how you're dealing with issues. The caveat though I just provide is, is and this is more of a software technology term, I guess, but you don't want to over-optimize. You don't want to over-engineer. And so by 
going too deep into structure and processes and, and systems when you're still searching for that product market fit. You just need to be cautious, I guess, is, is what I suggest. So when I'm talking with lots of entrepreneurs on leadership teams, I guess I've learned over the years that it's, it's a lot more fuzzy than sometimes we'd like it to be. And it's a lot more experimentation. And there's a lot more you know, challenges that you don't necessarily see. And so that whole concept of, of the rainforest community, I think, is so positive in terms of you know, if we work collectively, of course, in some cases, we'll, we'll compete, whether it's for, for funding or you know, part of programs or what have you. But generally speaking, you know, if you can take that help first mentality, be abundance mindset. And, and that, again, was what drowned me to the EOS community, but also is what drowns me to the, the rainforest community. I just feel like there's a, there's an opportunity for a rising tide to, to lift all boats. And so I'm not sure if I'm being you know particularly specific in terms of answering your question. I think it's more of an ethos that that is well aligned with being able to support innovation in the right way, to be right-sized in, in how that progresses. And just to close that off, I was just talking to an entrepreneur yesterday and, and he was interested in, in traction and said, I, I think... Honestly, you're probably a little bit early <laughs> to put in place, uh, you know, systems and processes for this. But then we talked a little bit further and he said, you know, I, my team is going to be coming together fairly soon. And my concern is that, you know, we've got this great vision, but we all want to be able to make sure that we're, we're, you know, progressing towards it. So there's some structure and, and systems in place that, that we need to put, you know, start working towards. And I said, that's a great, that's a great mentality to take. Uh, I would say, don't over-engineer it, right-size it, take it uh, the direction it needs to go. But if you can have that good balance of your vision and where it wants to be, and then a reasonable ability to experiment and and understand that product market fit, and uh, and then really, you know, when you're ready, when you've got it, then you pour that fuel on the fire, you put it in the processes, the systems, the structure that really gets you to that next level. That makes you successful, and that makes uh, you know us and our whole innovation you know, community successful when we can start to really see how we've seen some local entrepreneurial teams really grow and, and scale and provide jobs and, and uh, support the community going forward as well. That's what we should have. Thank you for that example. That's a fantastic example. And that's what we should have called this podcast is a rising tide to lift all boats. <laughs> I absolutely love that phrase. So you actually answered the next question I was going to ask was what kind of entrepreneurs or what kind of businesses would be a good fit, but I think you may have answered that. Yeah, and I, I, so typically the sweet spot for companies that they really get engaged with with traction, typically ten employees to two hundred and fifty employees. I, and I say that's the sweet spot. There are companies, two entrepreneurs that effectively use it. There's companies well over two hundred and fifty employees that effectively use it. And the reason that I, I say sweet spot is just for that reason that when you're just starting a company, you don't want to go and buy a building. <laughs> you want to rent a, you know, a little suite. And when you're, when you're a large company, then you invest in that infrastructure. And so I think Traction, the book Traction, the entrepreneurial operating system, it's very similar. Like I think when you're starting off, define your vision, you know, create a 10-year target, create a, a focus. But later on in your company, you want to stay laser targeted on that. You don't want to be changing every day and how that's progressing early in your company, you may need to do that. And so you need to give yourself that um, flexibility to pivot as you need to, to take customer feedback as you need to. And so, uh, so that's why I say, I think there's a lot of nuggets in the overall system that can assist uh, businesses at any stage. And I would say 
the issue solving, that issues component. I can't imagine a business that that's not a good thing to do is to, you know, be healthy with your, your colleagues and your founding team on how you're addressing these issues. But I think once you've got then that product market fit and you've got that repeatable sale and now you really want to, you know, get it to the next level. I think that's where typically that sweet spot is. Now you can start to invest in in that office space, right? You invest in that infrastructure because now you can see those economies of scale. You want to standardize your processes, systematize your structure. And that that's really around that traction part of things, helping to really start to see that vision come to life. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I learned a lot and I hope our listeners did too on this podcast. What an interesting idea. What a perfect fit for the rainforest community. There's a lot of people in our rainforest community that could use some help and a lot of them also could, we could learn from them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so there's also something that happens at the rainforest community every Wednesday called Lunch Without Lunch. And I would encourage our listeners to go and, and be a part of that too. It's, it's a fun, way to spend your lunch hour. And don't worry, after you've had your Zoom on and everybody can see you, uh, you can turn your Zoom video off just for a second if you do have to eat your lunch. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be without lunch. But thank you so much, Chris. This has been a wonderful half hour or so. Before we sign off, I would like to again say the book was Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business by Gino Wickman, W-I-C-K-M-A-N. And the website, EOS Worldwide, is it just eosworldwide.com? Okay. And Chris McPhee, if anybody needs to get a hold of him or wants to, he's on LinkedIn. I guess that would be the best way to, to get in touch with you or probably see him on the next Lunch Without Lunch. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I attend when, whenever I can. And and yeah, definitely feel free to, to reach out. I'm very much a help first kind of attitude. If I can provide any kind of assistance, you know, I want to do that. It's I've seen some success in, in my life. So I've made lots of mistakes, had some good fortune and uh, anything I can do to pay it forward, I'm happy to do so. So feel free to reach out and we can, can have a chat and, and I'd like to help. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It, it, it really feels like uh, we're in the right place to get uh, that whole um, adage of the sum is greater than the whole of its parts or yeah, it's, uh, it's a great, great community to be a part of. So with that, I want to thank our listeners for sticking with us for the last half hour and enjoy your day and enjoy the next podcast. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. If you need software developers or you need software developed, New Idea Machine can make your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com to learn more. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Might I suggest that you also give a listen to Shift. 
Shift by Alberta Innovates is a podcast that showcases the incredible work being done by Alberta innovators. Join hosts John Hagen and Katie Dean as they interview the researchers, entrepreneurs, businesses, and service providers that are shifting our perspective in everything from health to clean energy. Visit shift.albertainnovates.ca or your favorite podcast provider for more.